Angela Bowen here, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. And today, we've got a fun little episode for you. It's Season 3, Episode 18's This Spuds For You, which aired on December 1st, 1987. Spud threatens to jump off a building if Punky won't go to the Sadie Hawkins dance with him. Oh boy, does that sound desperate. Wow. (laughs) Well, Punky's a cool girl. She's got the effect on guys. She turns them down. It's pure, pure heartbreak for them. And not to mention, we've only met Spud, what, once before? And I've never gotten the inkling that he was into Punky. Even Punky is surprised in this episode, from what I can remember. It's like, she's like, wait, what? You like me? I... Uh, this is coming out of left field, but okay. But before we get into this episode, how's everyone doing? How's your week been going? It's Wednesday, so that means it's hump day, and we're almost done with the work week slash school week if you go to school. Or if you guys are in college, uh, what, isn't uh, college is over for the summer, right? Cool. Alright, before I get into this episode, I want to talk about a couple books I'm currently reading. The first one is a middle grade book. It's called The Length of a String by Alyssa Brent Wiseman. Imani is adopted and she's ready to search for her birth parents. But when she discovers a diary her Jewish great-grandmother wrote chronicling her escape from from Holocaust-era Europe, Imani begins to see family in a new way. Imani knows exactly what she wants as her big bat mitzvah gift, to meet her birth parents. She loves her family and her Jewish community in Baltimore, but she has always wondered where she came from, especially since she's black and almost everyone she knows is white. When her mom's grandmother, Imani's great-grandma, Anna, passes away, Imani discovers an old diary among her books. It's Anna's diary from 1941, the year she she was 12, the year she fled Nazi-occupied Luxembourg alone, sent by her parents to seek refuge in Brooklyn. Written as a series of letters to the twin sister she had to leave behind, Anna's diary records her journey to America and her new life with an adopted family. Anna's diary and Imani's birth Parents search intertwined to tell the story of two girls, each searching for family and identity in her own time and in her own way. So I'm currently reading that. I I really like that. I like, like, dual stories or dual narratives in books where a person is reading, like, a diary or a journal from someone's past life. I love historical fiction. And I do also enjoy reading about um, the survivors of the Holocaust, the journey, the harrowing journey that they had to go through to get to where they are. The next one is Love and Luck by Jenna Evans Welsh. And this book actually just came out yesterday. And this is a great book, a travel book for any of you guys that are just looking for a book to just, you know, take you away where the main character goes to another country, or just somewhere outside of the norm. Addie is visiting Ireland for her aunt's over-the-top destination wedding and hoping she can stop thinking about the one horrible thing she did that left her miserable and heartbroken and threatens her future. But her brother Ian isn't about to let her forget, and his constant needling leads to arguments and even a fist fight between the two once in between the two once-inseparable siblings. Miserable, Addie can't wait to visit her friend in Italy and leave her brother and her problems behind. So when Addie discovers an unusual guidebook, Ireland for the Heartbroken, hidden in the dusty shelves of the hotel library, she's able to finally escape her anxious mind and Ian's criticism. And then their travel plans change. Suddenly, Addie finds herself on a whirlwind tour of the Emerald Isle trapped in the world's smallest vehicle with Ian and his admittedly cute Irish-accented friend Rowan. As the trio journeys over 
breathtaking green hills, past countless castles, and through a number of fairy tale forests. Addie hopes her guidebook will heal not only her broken heart, but also her shattered relationship with her brother, that is, if they don't get completely lost along the way. And I read um, Jenna's first book, Love and Gelato, I think it was last summer, and that was another one that's actually set in Italy, where a girl, her mother passes, and she has to meet her father, who she's just learned about in Florence, Italy, which was also breathtaking descriptions of the country. I've never been to Italy, I've never been to Ireland, but oh my gosh, this author, she does her work. These books, this book is amazing, and so is Love and Gelato. Guys, check it out if you're looking for some cool summer read. All right, let's jump right into this episode. We're in the living room of the apartment, and Henry's got, you know, that um, divided kitchen door? He's got the top half kind of open, and it's kind of like a um, service window. Like if you go up to um, one of those, like, burger shacks or something that's just, there's no sit-down inside, it's all, like, uh, outside, you just go order, pick up your food. So Henry's got, <clears throat> excuse me, some uh, burgers. You know, he's got one for Punky, which is the works, which is probably, you know, pickles, lettuce, onions, tomatoes, what have you, which is all stuff I'm not into. And then Cherry, of course, has got, like, uh, pickle and mustard. And then for Betty, he says he didn't make her a burger. He says, oh, I got you something else. And I can see behind it's his back, it's a salad. And she's angry. It's like, I wanted a burger. Why are you giving me a salad? So this has clearly got to be a joke on her weight, which Betty is not really a heavy person. She really isn't. So I can understand why Betty would be a little ticked off. Like, where is my burger? And when the episode opens, it's really cute because we get Brandon slurping through a straw. And the burgers that Henry makes, he's got them in this paper wrapping that almost kind of makes it seem like it's some outdoorsy burger shack place. It's really fancy. And the cups with the straw and the lid on it, too, the paper cup, it's just really cool. Oh, he's even got the fries in the little paper package. Oh, that is so cool. I love how they're utilizing that door like that is. Usually it's only open like that. Like the top is like pushed over for like, say if someone's kind of eavesdropping about a conversation going on in the kitchen or vice versa in the living room. But a lot of times it seems like also that it's just mainly one door that's closed and, and someone's just walking through it. For something that was the works for Punky's sandwich, it doesn't really look like it's piled high with anything. It just looks like a flat, you know, regular burger on a bun. There's nothing there to indicate that there's any other condiments on there. Yeah, Henry's like, oh, I canceled your burger because she's like, I, I wanted, you know, rare. And she gets irritated, like, how about I, uh, she sticks her fist up like she wants to punch him in the face. Oops. My timer going off. My lunch is ready, so I'll be right back. Yeah, Henry, she is not gonna want that salad. And not to, I mean, I know this is 1987, but right now, with the whole E. coli romaine lettuce thing, my uh, rabbit that I used to have, Alfie, I used to give him romaine lettuce. This was years ago, but then when I got London, I decided. I wasn't going to give him lettuce just due to the fact that when I gave Alfie lettuce, he had issues with his, you know, potty issues, and it was just a big mess. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that with London. It's just going to be straight up pellets and, and hay. So, and London has never had an issue like that. So, I just think that maybe it was, like, all the water and lettuce and stuff like that, but it's like, I'm also very proud for not doing that just due to... This romaine E. coli scare and everything that's going around that's apparently very, like, people have even died from this. So, I'm just proud of the, that I decided not to do that. 
Because that would have been very heartbreaking. I mean, if, if E. coli or that can kill a human, it can surely kill a poor little bunny rabbit. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not lettuce. He gives her sushi. Uh, I don't know. That takes a really like either you like it or you don't. I think I might have had something like that before. And I just wasn't a big fan of it. And how do you know? I hope she's not allergic to it. Because, you know, some people might be allergic to that stuff. And they may not even know they're allergic until they try it. So, Betty's like, Ugh, I'm going to lose my lunch. And Henry's like, oh, don't worry, you'll love it. It's raw fish. And then the girls, Cherry and Punky, are making this gross. I'm like, ooh, raw fish. Like, the girls are probably picturing, like, a fish pulled out of the river, raw fish like that. Like, no, not not like that. I mean, these girls have probably never been to, like, a Chinese restaurant or a buffet of any kind like that that would have stuff like that. So, of course, Betty just hands it back to him, like, do I look like Morris the Cat to you? And he even goes so far as he's got the chopsticks as to give her a tuna and seaweed. Like, ugh. I would have said, just try it. Just try it. Not tell her what it is. So Betty decides to just get up and leave. And she's going to go get two chili dogs and Alka-Seltzer, of course, to wash it down. Because, of course, probably, you know, at her age, probably the heartburn and everything like that. It's like, Henry, you could have saved all of this with just making her a burger. Why did you... I don't... Get it. Apparently we learned that Henry likes Shogun. And so he's going to eat the sushi. Okay. Oh, I noticed on the door, you know, below um, Punky's uh, space poster of one of the satellites, um, it's got a little paper pen thing for writing, like, notes and memos and stuff like that. Or grocery list, because it's facing the inside of, like, the kitchen door on that side, so. So Henry goes off to his room. He's probably got a little TV in there, and Betty opens the door to leave, and it's Spud. Uh, of course, Punky and Cherry hear Spud's name, like, and they are, like, all acting all nonchalant. Like, I don't know if they're really friends with him, if he's been kind of a jerk to them in the past, so they really don't want him there. So Spud hangs out in the doorway, kind of leaning against the doorframe, and he's like, hey, babe. So is he referring to Punky or Cherry? And Punky's like, what do you want, Bloodner? So his last name is Bloodner. So, basically, Spud wants to start in on, in on their class project, which is... I'm not sure. So, even Punky's like, what project are you working on? And he's like, oh, it's about toxic waste. And uh, the teacher, Mrs. Winston, said I needed a partner, so of course I picked you. Okay, hold on a sec. Now, I know they're in the same class. How does Punky not know of this assignment, and how does Punky not already have a partner? I'm confused. So I want to play this clip of uh, Spud talking to Punky here. And according to Punky, there's 9,000 kids in their school? Right. Hint, hint. 
Forget it, Spud. Jerry, who'd you ask? Stanley Knuckleboard. You're willing to be seen in public with Noodle Nose Knuckleboard? Yeah! And don't call him Noodle Nose. Stanley looks that way because the doctor dropped him after he was born. Now with me, you get undamaged goods. So what do you say, sweet lips? Take me, I'm yours. Sorry, but you're just not my type. If my type changes, I'll call you. Punky, you promised you asked somebody. So we could double. I know. So, Spud comes in, right away he zeroes in on Punky's Hamburg, like, hey, you gonna finish that? Can I have it? And Punky's like, sure, I mean, I haven't even taken a bite out of it yet. And the kid stuffs it in his vest po denim pocket that's clearly big enough to hold, and it does, <clears throat> uh, close up on the burger, looks like it's like, almost like a Big Mac, as in it's got, uh, a bun in between it, possibly, the, the two uh, burgers, and it's also got lettuce on it, so. So, basically, yeah, he wants her to be his partner for some toxic waste project, and she's like, hey, I'm not doing that. There are 9,000 other kids in our school. You can go pick one of them. So, he actually, when she gives him the burger, he takes the top of the burger off, puts his hand on the patty, like, oh, it's cold, like, it's been sitting there for not even five minutes. There, that, sh it should not be cold. But, I mean, after he's touched it, I'm like, please, just take it. I don't want it anymore. So, as he's stuffing it into his pocket, Spud's like, oh, that's good. That'll be my, uh, dinner before my dinner for the, the walk home. It's like, how far away do you live? <laughs> so, now we get to the meat of why Spud is really here when he's like, hey, can I ask you girls something personal? And they're like, no. And they turn away from him. He's like, hey, who'd you ask to the Sadie Hawkins dance? Because Sadie Hawkins is the type of dance where girls ask the guys to the dance. <clears throat> Cherry says she goes out with this one guy whose last name is Knuckleboard. That, come on, writers, you couldn't come up with a better last name than that. And, of course, the guy, the kid's name that Cherry asked to go, his nickname is Noodle Nose, as we see Spud just laughing hysterically, like it's the funniest thing in the world. And then Cherry says to the effect that, oh, he's only like that because a doctor dropped him when he was born? That's a lawsuit! You probably f messed up that kid's entire nasal area, like, I, yeah, that's a, that is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Anyway, so the kid is laughing, like, it's the funniest, like, you're already joking on this guy for his name and how he looks, and you think Punky wants to go to the dance with you? You're clearly a jerk. Not to mention he's calling her babe, sweet lips, it's like, guy, you gotta stop with that garbage. Girls don't respond to that. That's just another form of guys objectifying women by their looks or their features. I don't like this kid. I happy. I think this is the last episode we get with him, which is just as well, because it's like, no, thank you, Spud. He's not charming in any way. So Spud is all like, well, I haven't exactly said yes to anybody yet, and Cherry's like, jumps on, like, well, that's because nobody's asked you yet. And he asks Punky to the dance, and she's like, you are not my type, and if my type changes, I will call you. As in, I'm not desperate to the point where I'm just going to go with you because you're asking. You're a jerk. You're very offensive. Just no. So, Spud comes up with this plan, like, hey, I know somebody, some guy who's a cross between Roblo and Tom Cruise. This is back in 87, when they were just on the scene with, um, what, about last night? Wasn't that around the late 80s? And Tom Cruise would have been in, would it have been, like, a Risky Business? Um, what was the other one? 
There's some other, uh, Risky Business, uh, Top Gun, um, All the Right Moves was another one. I like All the Right Moves. I like that, the song that plays in the beginning. I really like that. So, yeah, Spud's like, hey, I know a guy, he can get all, tickets to all the concerts in the Chicago area, and he, you know, I can call him up for you, Punky, and she's like, ooh, really, Tom Cruise mixed with Rob Lowe, I like he. And he's like, I'm going to call him on the phone, and the thing is, I really got to work on this guy, because apparently he prefers blondes. So this is what confuses me, and they don't get any at all suspicious right away, that the fact that, here, let me go into the kitchen and call him up from here. There's a phone right there, right behind the girls behind the couch. And of course, Punky's like, oh, here, let me fix my hair and everything, and Sherry's just looking at Punky like, uh, this is a phone call, you realize that, don't you? And, of course, Punky's like, well, I don't want to sound a mess. Like, sweetie, your hair is beautiful, okay? It's absolutely pretty. So, Spud calls his mom to say, hey, um, I left my history book in the laundry room. Can you check it? So, that way, I guess these are two separate phone lines? I'm confused. So, Punky picks up the phone from the living room. And, of course, Spud is trying to disguise his voice. He's got, like, this purple handkerchief that looks like uh, it came from Brandon's dog tag, or uh, dog collar. <laughs> Speaking of, where's Brandon? Did he go off somewhere? I didn't see him leave in with Betty. I didn't see him go off with Henry, so where is Brandon? At least he's hanging out on his Afghan cushion. Oh, he gets that. He, he's got that handkerchief in his pocket. Where did it come from? I'm sure the show's got, like, tons of cool, like, lavender and, like, teal-colored, uh, handkerchiefs. So, Punky is falling for this at first, because, like, hey, Spud says that you're a babe. Like, come on. So, he's trying to sound like some tough guy, and first of all, we don't even get this person's name. Like, I don't even think Punky even asks what his name is. Like, oh, he thinks I'm cute. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. <clears throat> Spud is, like, just below where the doggy door is. On the... Where the door is divided. So, sure enough, you'd be hearing that coming over that separated door. And it doesn't take long for Cherry to be like, okay, I'm hearing, like something coming from the kitchen. So she goes to investigate. She hears it, pulls back the door, snaps her fingers like, Punky, look in this direction. Of course. Yes. He, there is no guy there. It's just Spud being a dingbat. What if Punky had accepted this date from this guy if she didn't even know his name? So would Spud have to, like take on a whole new persona and, like, pretend to, you know, disguise himself as this person to go to the dance. That'd be kind of weird. But luckily, they find out that it's Spud, and Punky tries to beat him to death with the pillow cushion, which I, I would have done the same thing. Henry hears all this commotion, comes running out, grabs the pillow out of Punky's hand. Like, what? What are you doing? And then Spud's all like, I love your daughter, sir. Is it too soon for me to call you dad? And even Henry is, like, about ready to smack him with the pillow. It's like, excuse me, young man. Just He's just saying this stuff about Punky. It's like, get out of my house. Get out of my house. Do not talk about my daughter that way. No, you're not going anywhere. No date, no dance with her. Like I said, this kid is not likable at all. He's got no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I don't care if he's got a secret crush on Punky. He's going about this the wrong way. And she knows his reputation. He's a slime ball. Why would she agree to go with him? I, I honestly, I really, to be completely honest, I don't really care for this episode. I don't like that they're trying to make this character redeemable when he certainly is not. And he's got some supposed secret crush on Punky that he's had this the whole time. 
The whole thing of guys treat you like garbage or what tease you or pull your hair because they secretly like you is a load of crap. It is a load of crap. So before Spud heads out the door, he turns to Punky and says, Oh, Punky, what kind of flowers do you like? And she's like, daisies, with you pushing them up, as in, I want you six feet under. And even Henry's kind of laughing, trying to stifle a laugh here. But of course, <laughs> Punky's irritated, like, P Henry, he tricked me. Oh my gosh. Punky, Jerry's loving this. She's like, oh my god, this was so funny. <laughs> Like, she's busting a gut laughing over it because it's just that funny that this kid went to this extreme just to ask you to a dance, or for you to ask him to a dance. So I'm going to play this clip. Maybe I can help you out here. Think I know a guy who you just might like. He's macho, funny, you can get free tickets for every concert in town. Free tickets? Okay, you got my attention. What's his name? Farley. judge a dude by his handle. Okay, what does this Farley guy look like? Well, he's kind of a cross between Rob Lowe and Tom Cruise. Only cuter. Okay, I'll think about it. Get him on the phone. Good. I'll go call him from the other room. Why not call from here? Punky, I have to set it up. Farley usually likes blondes. This will take a selling job. Sorry, I'm nervous. How's my hair look? It's a phone call. I know. I don't want to sound like a mess. It's ringing. I'll tell you when to pick it up. <laughs> Hi, Mom. It's me, Farley. Listen, I think I left my history book down in the laundry room. Would you go check it out? Thanks, Mom. Okay, Punky, pick it up. Hello, Farley? balled up on the couch laughing busting a gut as Punky sits down next to her and gives her the dead stares and are we finished yet? Like focus Cherry let's focus okay? So Cherry leaves and um Punky kind of turns to Henry like Henry he embarrassed me I don't have to go with him do I? And he's like well no but on the other hand, you know, when he sits down, he's like, you know what? You did accept a date from him, though. It's like, not technically she did not. Because he was disguising his voice and pretending to be someone else. Sorry, Henry, there are no loopholes. 
So Henry's going through a lot of different things. He's like, well, you don't want to hurt his feelings, but on the other hand, he's kind of a slime ball. He does. He deserves, you know, his feelings hurt because, come on now. So Henry just kind of tells her, you know, rejection can be very painful. That's true. I mean, when you reject a person, you don't know how they're going to take it, whether they're going to cry, whether they're going to be angry and resort to violence, whether they're going to do something drastic and um, desperate and throw themselves out of the three-story window until you profess your love to them. So I want to play this clip as Henry's kind of trying to help Punky decide, you know, on her feelings and what she should do, whether she should accept Spud's proposal to go to the dance or whether she should just turn him down, which is what Punky does not want to go with him. And I can't say I blame her. Like I said, he's got no redeeming qualities. He's a jerk. He makes fun of people. I'm sure he's made fun of both Punky and Cherry at one time or another. it says you know what I'm sure whatever the choice you make is gonna be the best one so now we get a fun look into Spud's room my god his closet literally exploded because there are clothes all over you can't even barely see this kid's bed he's even got a giant like twice the size of a book bag yellow bag of popcorn and he's got a Twinkie in his mouth and it's just like oh my god how does your mother allow you to live like this kid because Spud's just chilling with a Twinkie in his mouth ch chilling on a bean, bean bag yeah try getting out of that without looking like you're drunk right <laughs> because really there is no easy way to try to get up out of a bean bag chair so, Cherry and Punky come over to Spud's place, and, uh, I can see that they're just in the doorway, because you can't even walk in that room. It is covered, like, literally covered in clothes. Probably all dirty, stinky clothes. Oh, it looks like he's also got another bag of popcorn on a, like, director's-type chair that's sitting in his closet. He's also got framed photos of like ice cream and some other framed photo with food on it. So basically, this is just a stereotype of, oh, because he's a heavy set kid, he's into food, food, food. As he shoves that Twinkie into his mouth and tosses the wrapper over his shoulder. Like, room's already mess, I don't care. He's got a microwave in his room? That had, first, it had a um, clothing on it. For, oh my god, he's got clothing. Oh, he's got clothing on his lamp. That is a fire hazard. And he even had a piece of clothing on his microwave. Which is pressed right up against the curtains by that window. How is this apartment or house or what? I think it's an apartment because he goes out on a ledge that's right outside his window. How is this apartment not burned to the ground? <laughs> so he's like, hey, my pot pie is ready in a microwave. Yeah, right. This is back in the day. I remember when I made pot pies as a kid, they came in that little uh, metal um, container thing. Whereas now when you make a pot pie, it's, you know, made out of like cardboard paper. Because you can't put that metal in side of a microwave you're gonna blow up your microwave but apparently um cherry likes pot pies with ketchup Ooh. 
So Punky just comes over to tell Spud, like, hey, we gotta get some things straight here. First of all, I'm not going to with you to the Sadie Hawkins dance. You could have just called him on the phone. But then, of course, if she did that, we wouldn't get this scene where he throws himself out the window. He's full on manipulating her. Like, of course you are. You love me. Like, no, she doesn't. Stop manipulating this poor girl. So he's freaking out like, hey, I just bought a tux, the wrist corsage for you. It's like, you don't buy that stuff until you secure a date. Otherwise, you just wasted a lot of money. So I'm going to play this clip of, you know, Punky's trying to tell him, no, I'm not going to the dance with you. Oh, I notice he's got really cool, like, um, hockey player wallpaper. Jeremy would probably appreciate that. wrist corsage from Hawaii and a razor in case he grows a beard before the Sadie Hawkins dance. Wow. Um, she's like, no, I'm not going to the dance with you. And she and Jerry turn to go and he's like, fine. You don't want to go to the dance with me? Fine. I'll just, here I go. I'm going to go out the window. And there's a ledge right out the window. Like, oh my god. So, he pretty much gives her an ultimatum. Either you go with me to this dance, or I'm throwing myself, committing suicide, off this balcony. Are you kidding me? This kid is a jerk. He's putting her in a situation she doesn't want to be in. Not only does, you know, she he's making her feel, feel guilty for not going to this dance with him, but now it's like... Punky's got to climb out on this ledge herself now to try to talk him down from killing himself. But this episode is pretty much played for humor. There's no real seriousness as in this guy's suicidal depressed or whatever like that we need to get him psychiatric help or something like that. Not like nowadays where this kid would immediately be taken into the custody and be evaluated and everything. Because you can't just walk away after all this is over. Like, oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> no, you, they're going to be in a mess of trouble. So clearly somebody from the props department is throwing, like, pieces of trash up from the floor of where this is being shot. Throwing, like, little plastic garbage bags up to assume, like, it's windy and wherever he lives, there's, like, garbage on the ground. Did Punky just call him Spike? That sounded like a Spike and not a Spud. But we learned from her that he, this apartment that they're, this window, apartment window that they're hanging out of and he's on the ledge of, is five stories up. Oh my god. So is Spud by himself, his parents aren't there, he's home alone, because otherwise they'd be like, go get his mother or father in here to talk him down, because this is ridiculous. So, Punky's turning to Cherry like, hey, go get help. Cherry's like, oh, well, you know what, I gotta move my bike. So Punky's like, no, I mean as in, like, call somebody, like the fire department or somebody. So I'm gonna play this clip when Punky actually goes out onto the ledge with Spud.
your middle name. <laughs> you gotta come back inside. Not till you say yes. Yes. Then you'll go on the dance with me? No. <laughs> Punky, going to the dance with you is the most important thing in my life. <gasps> then again, it's only a dance, and you're just a girl, and I'm gonna die. Okay, just stay calm and try to come back towards the window. I'll never make it. I can see the headlines now. <clears throat> Handsome, gifted boy becomes meat patty on the sidewalk. <laughs> Don't panic. You got out there, you can get back in. No, I can't. Yes, you can. Punky, trust me on this. I can't. Help me. Let's fine. I'm getting dizzy. I'm gonna fall. Okay, stay right there. I'm coming out. <laughs> <laughs> So, Punky climbs out there, and this ledge is probably maybe six inches, and she immediately, of course, is like, presses her body up against the wall. It's like, where, there is nowhere to go other than, there's a flat drop that's five stories down is this would make me nervous like oh my god so spud being out on the ledge of course brings him to pray like please god please don't hold anything against me as far as all the bad things i've done give me a sign a pigeon lands on his head and uh and of course spud's like oh my gosh this is a sign and cherry or uh, Punky's like, no, that's a pigeon. And he's, of course, freaking out. Like, oh my god, why did it land on me? Oh my god. And Punky's like, well, maybe he thinks you're a statue. Well, this kid is moving, so no, he's not a statue. And the bird eventually flies away. Spud freaks out, which is a very stupid thing to do while you're out on a ledge. Where there's just nothing in front of you but the concrete down below. So Punky inches closer on this ledge, and part of the ledge gives way, so now there's like a two or three foot um, open space there. So basically them going to that window is pretty much not going to be an option now. And there's this sign that is right next to them that is for Dr. Dobson's eyeglass specialist or something. And, of course, Cherry's bike has been broken. I'm looking that I hope she wasn't anywhere near, because there was a lot of concrete that just fell from that ledge onto the ground. That could have killed somebody. So, Punky asked Spuddy, like, hey, is there another way to get back into the apartment? And Spud's like, yeah, around the nose. And Punky's like, what are you talking about? And then he kind of nudges, like, this ad here for eyeglasses, you got to kind of hop around it to be able to get into, I guess there's another window there. So basically, they can argue about who's going to go first, and Punky's like, I got to go around your stomach. So she tells Spud to suck his stomach in, and um, she grabs his belt. And kind of was able to shift around him just slightly to get to the other side of him, which is right by the Dr. Dorton sign. And we see that Spud loses his pants because his belt is made of cardboard. So it's it looks like a regular belt to me. But I also notice Spud is wearing men's adult men's pants that are like two sizes too big for him. 
So now he has to have Punky help him put his pants back on. That is awkward and uncomfortable. Like, uh, and he's like, oh, I do it for you. I'm like, okay, that is gross and crossing a line. These are children here. So Punky makes her way over to the sign and she grabs one side of the eyeglasses and kind of hoists herself up onto this large nose. And the glasses, which aren't meant to be holding a... 80-pound person start to give way. And, oh, my God, that makes me nervous. Like, I am freaking out with her. Yeah, she helps lift his pants up. And, boy, like I said, these are adult pants that are, like, way two times too big for him. She's got a hand on either side of the glass frames. And she's like, oh, it's a piece of cake. As the eyeglasses start to give way. Like, yeah, like I said, they probably can't support an 80-pound girl. I wouldn't even have said anything. I would have made my move as fast as I possibly could. So let me read this sign here. It says, Dr. Dorton, ophthalmologist, exams, frames, contact lenses. Okay, so in 87, they had contact lenses. Put your eyes in our hands, it says. So we don't even see them get rescued. Uh, his mother is... Where is his mother been? Where was she at the store? Oh, my God. Because we see a fireman there, and Spud's mother is comforting him on the bed. Henry's there with Punky, just saying thank you to the fireman. Like, thank you for rescuing these children. So, the fireman compliments Cherry, like, thank you for calling us and giving accurate directions on how to get there and everything. So, the fire truck ran over her bike. Well, wasn't her bike kind of demolished already by that concrete slab that broke off of that ledge? Cherry, sweetie, that bike was not salvageable at all. Granny, Grandma, Betty's going to have to get you a new bike. (laughs) Of course, when she hears that, Sherry's eyes bug out and she runs like, my bike! <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so Henry says, don't worry, uh, fireman, sir, I will keep a closer eye on my child. And then the fireman leaves. Spud's mother jumps, like, verbally jumps on Henry, like, where was your close eye when that quote-unquote Vixen was luring my son out onto the... Excuse me? No, she was not. She was trying to save your kid's life by doing... He was doing something stupid. Where were you? Where were you, ma'am? All right, I'm going to play this clip of Henry and Mrs. Bloodner fighting. This woman's got some nerve. Where were you, lady? Where was your close eye when that little vixen was luring my body out on that ledge? <clears throat> Now, see here, Mrs. Plugner. My daughter's no fixin'. It was your folly who did the luring. Ah, you were forceful. And tall. (laughs) And lucky, too. Lucky? Yes. I'm divorced. Punky, if you ever do anything like that again, I'll... I'll... Please don't do anything like that again. So apparently Spud's mom is turned on by Henry being forceful and argumentative as she lets on like, ooh, you're forceful. And the fact that I'm divorced. Like, she's full on flirting with him. Like, what? No, thank you, ma'am. No, no. So he tells Punky, don't ever do that to me, okay? Don't ever do this again. And, of course, Punky says, I promise I won't, Henry. And she says, hey, before we go, can I talk to uh, Spud for a sec alone? Don't give in to him, Punky. Do not give in to him and go to the dance. He does not deserve that. After what he put you through? Punky, if you ever do anything like that again, I'll... I'll... Please don't do anything like that again. Let's go home. Wait a minute. Can I have a second alone? Alone? To talk. Come on, handsome. We'll go downstairs. I'll show you Barney's baby pictures. 
extra guilty for being out on that ledge and everything and putting Punky through that. He's like, hey, I wouldn't even go to the dance with me either if you didn't want to. I don't expect you to ask me. And he's just feeling really down and it's like, I told everyone in the school that we were going and now if you don't go, kids are going to laugh at me. I mean, they already do laugh at me. It's like, because, you know, he's a heavy set kind of dimwitted kid. And, um... Punky falls for the sincerity and everything. She's like, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to go to the dance with you. And she decides to go, which this kid's not going to change Punky. He's still going to be a jerk. It was a moment of him opening up like that to her and everything. It's almost like it was a moment like, oh, he's a jerk. Now all of a sudden he's Mr. Sensitive and he's got feelings and everything like that, which... He does, it's, you know, that's that's fine, but don't manipulate someone by turning on Mr. Sensitive. That's just cruel. I don't like Punky's dress here. It's really... But Henry's taking pictures anyway of her and her dress for the dance. Oh yeah, well, Henry says, hey, look at it this way. Uh, Spud's lost weight since his baby pictures, and because you know Punky's like, I can't believe I accepted a date and dance with it to go to the dance with this kid. And um, yeah, when uh, Punky and Spud are talking, while Mrs. Blugner takes Henry by the hand, like, hey, I'll show you his baby pictures. Like, uh, I don't really want to see them because he looks at Punky like, please make this quick. I want to get out of here. So, Punky tells Henry, like, hey, I gave uh, Spud some tips on how to be a human being. Well, alright, cool. So, I want to play this clip here. I can't believe I'm actually going to the dance with Spud. Well, look on the bright side. He's lost weight since his baby pictures. Well, I gave him some tips on how to act like a human being. Who knows? Can even be fun. So Punky opens the door and Spud arrives. He's got the ruffles. He's got a bow tie. His tux looks like it's part of a banana split because he's got these really large, bright yellow lapels on his tux, and it's uh, one of them says Spud on it. He's also got that uh, classic newsboy cap, and he's got the pigeon. The pigeon's made a reappearance. And Punky just looks like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, she, her lip is curled, like, Arr. and that's when Henry snaps a picture. And that's the end of the episode. So, um, I'm giving this one, of course, a low rating for 
this episode. Uh, two out of five Brandon tailwags. Um, I liked Brandon slurping out of that straw in the beginning. <laughs> that was cute. Um, I liked the fact that Punky did, even though it was very dangerous, she went out on the ledge to help Reason or whatever with Spud to get him out of there. So she was willing to not let the kid die. Good for her. What I didn't like, um, I surely did not like the whole thing of the kid's pants falling. That was just gross. That I know it was done for comedic effect, but ugh. the fact that he says, "Oh, if your pants fall down, I would have done the same for you." Gross. Um, I didn't like Spud's mom immediately accusing Henry and Punky. Like, don't you weren't there, lady. Um, the whole thing with Cherry's bike, like, the fact that concrete from that ledge fell off and probably smushed your bike, and then a fire truck pretty much finished the job and ran over it, so that's another thing, like, eh, that gag was only there really for Cherry to have a part in it, um, that, yeah, and I did not like the whole thing with Spud just really degrading, punky, calling her babe, hot lips, um, just, uh, manhandling her mentally in a way, and just kind of, uh, I did not like that. Like, what's the term of the, uh, objectifying women or something, at least calling, like, ugh, I don't like that. I just, ugh, I didn't care for this episode. The next few episodes, of course, I think are gonna be better. Um, we get... So Long Studio, Warner Mount Studios is out the door, Punky's Place is coming up, and we also get a montage flashback episode with Remember When, and the last episode, Unhooking Henry, where Henry develops uh, addiction to sleeping pills. Alright, here's the exact episode for next week. Season 3, episode 19, So Long Studio, aired December 2nd, 1987. Photo developing tycoon Matt Glossy offers to buy Henry Studio for a hundred thou. When he when Henry accepts the deal, he ends up working for him, which makes zero sense. Why would take the hundred thou and move on with your life? Dissatisfaction quickly sets in, so Henry quits his job. Since his contract with Mr. Glossy forbids him from opening another studio for several decades, he opens a restaurant instead. Which I'm happy we do get to see uh, Punky's Place just kind of start up. I'm excited for that. All right, let's give a shout-out to some new Punky Power listeners for the week. Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Davidson, Michigan, Sanford, Florida, Carroll Stream, Illinois, Centerville, Maryland, Austin, Texas, Wasilla, Arkansas, Indonesia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Arlington, Texas, Lompoc, California, Fredericton, Canada, Montreal, Canada, Roland Heights, California, and Bakersfield, California. Alright, if you guys would like to reach out to the podcast, you can do so by going to Instagram at Punky Power PB Podcast or the Facebook Punky Power Podcast page. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can do so at PunkyPowerPBPodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your memories of Punky Brewster, and also for upcoming episodes, if you have any memories on that, you can also share those on the Instagram and Facebook pages. Or Facebook page. Alright, that being said, everyone have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week, and I will be back again on Sunday with So Long Studio. Alright, bye-bye.